Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth and I am your host for today's guest episode. I have on Zach Rance and this conversation was full of great energy and I really, really loved the message that he shared on this conversation because it's very mindset focused, a lot of which I resonate with. We talk a lot about the compound effect, becoming 1% better every single day, and a lot of different nuggets that I know will be super valuable for you guys. But a little bit about Zach, he is a certified life coach, nutritionist, and host of the Live Better Now podcast based in Jupiter, Florida. And for those of you who keep up with reality television, Zach was actually on the show Big Brother, I believe like nine, close to 10 years ago. And so we actually talk a lot about that as well. How he kind of got his start on that show and really the reality of what it was like being in the spotlight and kind of how it affected his ego and his mentality. And I just really appreciate and love his candor on that topic. So overall, I know you guys will really enjoy this episode, a lot of great mindset stuff. So with that being said, let's welcome Zach to the podcast. All right, Zach. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am stoked to chat about all things personal growth and mindset, and I know you have a lot to talk about that. But I want to first go back to how you tapped into personal growth, because I personally have a story myself on how I tapped into that. And I feel like everyone kind of has a, you know, more or less dark time in their life where they're like, got their shit together and started to read certain books, maybe listened to certain audiobooks, podcasts. So I'm really curious, how did you get into personal growth? Yeah, great question. And first of all, thanks for having me here. And you're so right about books. They're so life-changing. And sometimes it's that one book that really alters your perspective for the rest of your life. And for me, that book was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, but I was given A New Earth 
uh, by, by, uh, as a gift from someone. And that book I read in 2017, when I was already a year and a half into my personal growth journey. And when I started to realize that I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my self-limiting beliefs. I do not, I, I, even though I'm identifying with my mind, with my thoughts, I don't have to become my thoughts. And that was really big for me. And I remember the moment when, uh, all of the words that Eckhart Tolle articulates kind of hit me at once. I'm driving in my car with the windows down. There's a couple birds driving in front of my windshield. And I was like, wow, everything is so beautiful. And it was because I wasn't thinking. I was just being. It was just like being in the moment. But my personal growth journey started back in 2015, 2016, right after I was on this TV show, Big Brother on CBS. It's a reality TV show, 16 strangers, eight guys, eight girls, all competing for half a million dollars. There's uh, physical competitions, endurance competitions, mental competitions, memory competitions. And I did not win. I had the time of my life though. And I came off the show with a lot of followers on Instagram and Twitter and people writing articles about me and getting invited to meet and greets and club appearances. And I just thought I was the shit and my ego got huge. I became a narcissistic, pretentious, egotistical douchebag. I was a jerk to a lot of people. I started to burn bridges with people that, you know, it was just because I thought I was better than other people because people were paying me just to show up places and I had more followers. And at the time, that vanity meant a lot to me because I was identifying with that. And then uh, started to get into a lot of just alcohol and partying and giving my time, energy and attention to the wrong things and spending money to impress people I didn't even know. Um, and back and then 2016 came and I got the opportunity to be a sales associate selling real estate at a boutique real estate company. And uh, that's when I met someone who was in the office who was very successful that was waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym every single day. And I didn't even know that that was a thing at the time. That never even crossed my consciousness. Never, never in my life did I think that people wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. So I was like, hey, what else do you do for your personal growth? Uh, and that kind of just introduced me to the whole self-development, personal growth atmosphere. And then I found out about Tony Robbins and I found out about Jim Rohn and I found out about Brian Tracy and I started reading Jack Canfield and I started watching motivational videos. And uh, then I was like, all right, I got to do this stuff. Like it's, it's great to know to wake up early. It's, it's great to have the wisdom, to have the knowledge of journaling and gratitude and meditation. And, but if you're not doing it, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You know, this, this term now, and I don't know if Hart, Alex Hormozzi invented this term, but he's using it a lot in his recent podcast. It's mental masturbation. You know, we, we, it's mental masturbation where we're reading all these books and we're uh, consuming all these educational podcasts, but we don't apply anything. So to kind of wrap up this little story, this little monologue, I just started just waking up earlier, reading five, 10 pages a day, journaling, you know, making sure I was being aware of how I'm spending my money, opened up a Roth IRA, bought a stock of Apple and Amazon, like, but decided to buy a rental property when I was 26. I, you know, I, I, I used all the money I had to just buy a rental property. They were, it was just for 115,000. I bought it for 90 and it was rented day one. I'm like, wait a second, this, this is possible. This stuff is possible, but you got to take the risk. You got to take massive action. And the most important thing that I tell everybody that I try to embody every single day is urgency. If, if it's not now, it's going to be never. So if you want to do things, you got to just do it right here, right now with what you got from where you're at. And last thing, oh, sorry, last thing I want to say is like, I'm still in the very beginning stages of my personal growth journey, just because I have, you know, I'm not a millionaire yet. Full disclosure, I am not a millionaire. You know, I don't have a seven figure business 
you know, my business is barely multiple six figures, you know, but I'm still waking up at 5 a.m. I'm still journaling. I'm still running Ironmans. I'm still, you know, buying stocks every day. I'm still looking for real estate deals. I'm still trying to just become 1% better every single day. But this personal growth stuff, as a lot of your audience probably knows, and I know you know as well, Emily, like this is forever. It never stops. 100%. And I really agree with you on the you know, essentially the power of now, right? Like doing it now and not waiting till the perfect time as a lot of us, you know, think whether it was, you know, for me in my past, I used to think, oh, it'd be better when this happens, then I can leave my corporate job or whatever that is. Um, so I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. And that's something I push a lot on this show too, is uh, the best things for me that have happened was just doing it. And, and instead of like thinking too much about it, I just do it and I like become it. But I'm really curious though, on the mental factor because I think a lot of people would be curious about this going back to your experience on the show when there was a lot of press around and you know your name is being thrown out and you were exposed to a very different lifestyle how were you dealing with the pressure and the gossip and the things that could come about from being on a reality show like that and full disclosure I've been offered I think three different shows, including recently Summer House to go on. And one of the reasons um, and something I've shared with my friends is, is for me, my uncertainty with the fact that the narrative is completely changed when I'm on a show, especially one where there's a lot of, you know, hidden things in the contract, um, you know, that someone like me might not be fully aware of because it's the first time going on a show. But I'm curious, like, how did you deal with all that? Because that's such a huge lifestyle shift when you're going from your normal everyday life and then suddenly you're you're put on a platform and a lot of different things can happen that you might not have expected. Right, and you're absolutely right. You are not in control of your own narrative on reality TV. However, podcasting and YouTube and short form content on Instagram and TikTok, you're in control of what you wanna post and how you wanna be portrayed to the world. So you're 100% you're on the money with that statement. Um, but as far as answering your question about how did I deal with the pressure, I was 23 at the time. Right now, I'm, I'm almost 33. So it's been 10 years. I'm a completely different, yeah, I'm a completely different person now than I was back then. And I don't feel like there was a lot of pressure just because I didn't really have any direction. It was, you know, I mean, there was a point though, where I was like, all right, how do I take my career to the next level? And I was living in this fallacy, this fake world that I was famous, that I was talented, that I had skills in entertainment. When I was not a writer, I was not an actor. I was not a singer. I, I had no skills. I was lucky enough and I created my own luck and I manifested a lot of these things, just like I manifest the things I have in my life today. But I was lucky enough to be on a reality TV show that got a lot of attention because, you know, and the show gets, I think, four or five million viewers. But this particular season, Ariana Grande's brother was one of the castmates. So Ariana Grande, this was back in 2014 when she was dating Big Sean and she was starting to blow up and she dropped, uh, I think the song was Break Free with... Uh, Zed or whatever, she was really starting to blow up and she was tweeting about it every single day to her, at the time, 20, 30 million followers. I think she now has like 300 million followers. So, but, but the point was, um, you know, I was 23. I didn't really have a career. I tried to parlay or leverage the somewhat fame I had on social and the 
the, the little bit of notoriety I had to go on other TV shows or try to be an actor. I, I tried to move to LA. I, I, I moved to New York for a certain amount of time, but I, I wish I had someone who just shot me straight instead of telling me what I wanted to hear. Like, Zach, you can, you know, be on a TV show. Zach, you should try out and take acting lessons. And I was like, yo, those are all great ideas. And this is the best time to do that. But I wish someone, someone just said, hey, Zach, let's be real, man. This was never something you were passionate about. This is not something you're good at, right? You were just on, on a reality TV show. You know, at the time, TikTok wasn't a thing. You know, Snapchat was barely a thing. It's not like social media was huge in 2014 as, as it is today. Um, I wish someone would just shot, shot me straight and said, Zach, maybe you should like think about starting a business or maybe you should start your entrepreneurship journey because that would have been the best advice I was ever given. So I don't think there was a lot of pressure for me. I tried to make it happen, but it didn't work out because A, I'm not good at those things. B, I don't have any innate talents to be in entertainment. And C, I wasn't passionate about it. So, you know, those things didn't align for me. When you started to grow and really shift out of that period of, you know, from 23 to where you're at now, I'm assuming like in the early years when you really started to tap into that, did you ever notice a point where you started to feel no longer aligned with maybe an old social circle or certain people in your life that were still keeping up old patterns and habits that you were moving away yeah. from? And I mean, cause I experienced this myself, right? And so I think a lot of people, that's one of the big hurdles they face in the beginning when they really start putting in the work on themselves and they see like oh shit I don't really actually have much to talk about with this girlfriend or this guy friend anymore and it's suddenly like this dissonance because it's like what do I do and I think a lot of people are, are curious about that but I'm curious to know how did you deal slash manage that because I think it's a really hard experience to go through when you realize some people you have to let go some people you maybe just draw different boundaries with and um you know and, and that that's like a tough pill to swallow yeah absolutely and i did experience that for sure it was uh when i was 26 i think i was a year and a half into my real estate career and uh, i opened up a roth ira account and i started to buy apple shares and amazon shares. i remember this exact conversation i was having with my buddy i remember exactly where i was it was super vivid i was like my man why do you keep buying new iPads and new Nike. This is what I said to him, one of my best friends, yo, why do you keep buying shoes and, and electronics? Like you should buy a share of Amazon right now. This company's going to be bigger in the future. He's like, dude, stop talking to me about that. I don't care about that. And I'm like, okay. And, and at the time I was like, dude, why bro? I promise you, this is something you should do. I'm not giving you, you know, bad advice. And uh, he didn't want to hear it. And I was like, all right, well, look, he's my friend. And even though he doesn't care about personal finance, he doesn't care about growing well, growing as well, he doesn't care about personal growth, that doesn't mean I don't have to be his friend anymore. Because when we think about letting people go, and we think about creating boundaries, and we think about like making our circle smaller, in my head, at least, and I, I can only speak for myself, I was like, oh, well, you have to tell these people that you don't fuck with them anymore, right? Like, you have to let them know, yo, I just want to let you know, man, like, I don't fuck with you anymore because of X, Y, Z. But that's not the case. You know, now I'm, I'm still good friends with him, right? But when we hang out, we talk about sports and we talk about, you know, funny politics and we fun talk about, like, crazy things going in the, on the world and how stupid everyone is, right? Now, because those are the conversations we have and they're very surface level, I'm not around him as much. And I see him once a month, 
You know, it wasn't like, hey, I can only see you once a month. It was like, hey, I am now aware that these are the only conversations that we're going to have. And when I want to have those conversations, I'm going to call you. Right. So, you know, we, you're absolutely right. We all go through that. And it's important to, you know, they say you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with most. I try to be the poorest person in every single room I'm in. I, I try to network with people that are way richer than me and have way more successful businesses than me. So this is something that everyone should be aware of. But again, you don't have to tell them that, hey, I'm not going to spend as much time with you. It's just naturally going to happen because you're going to see conversations that are deeper. You're going to want to be around people that are making big moves and just continue to do that and intentionally put yourself in those rooms. Did you ever have a moment in that process though, where you hesitated for a bit? And I I know this is probably many years ago, but where you at a point where you didn't make that leap at first yet, where you were still hanging around those bros, but you, you knew deep down, like, all right, I actually got to distance myself a bit but you you didn't yeah. yet like do you remember yeah, that no, time? oh absolutely and and yeah. it, and you know it's it's not that it's still going on today but it, it happens for an extended period of time where I'm sitting in their living room and we're all eating sour patch kids and playing FIFA and I'm just I'm I'm reading cnbc.com and I'm like why am I on this person's couch right now is you know but I was still doing it you know we all have vices we all have weaknesses we all have things that we do that we know we shouldn't do and uh, so, yeah, there was, there was probably, it, it happened for another three, four years of me just, you know, from when I was 26, 27 to two, three years ago that I was just, you know, in the wrong rooms and catch myself like reading about real estate, reading about stocks, like networking on Instagram while I'm in a room of people who are just, you know, not really focused on their own personal growth and things like that. I'm actually really curious too, like how has that parlayed over for you in personal relationships and dating in regards to Mm. being around more aligned potential partners? Because I think that's also a big hurdle that a lot of people have to overcome, right? Because it's one thing for the friends, but then it's one thing to also recognize like this person is actually not going in the same direction as I am. And we don't share personal visions, but we all know the stories of people not taking the leap and exiting the relationship or just like not even continuing right. further with someone that like we all know from the outside looking in is actually just not a good long-term fit. Yeah. So there's two things I want to say about that. The first thing I want to say about that is we're all on our own journey. Yeah. Right. So just because the person you like today or the person you're dating right now doesn't care about personal growth or doesn't believe in God or doesn't, you know, meditate Mm -hmm. right that doesn't mean that they're not going to find it on their own Mm -hmm. so you know but also to the other end of that which is something that i did five years ago and full disclosure i'm in a very happy and thriving relationship with my girlfriend now we've been together for two and a half years and we bought a house together and we've lived together for now well over a year and things like that so um and our values align with each other perfectly Mm -hmm. we both value freedom we both value personal finance we both value growth we both value health we both value travel um but dating is a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of commitment and it pulls you away from the things that you should be focused on. Now, I'm not saying you should not go out and date because we need social connection. We need emotional connection. We need physical attraction. You know, it, it's very motivating mm-hmm. to have someone in your life that you want to impress. Mm-hmm. And I continue to try to impress my girlfriend every single day. Yeah. You know, we have competitions. Like, who's going to make more money this month, right? And that, that's hot. <laughs> Right. Like what's better than having a partner who you compete with against on, on who can make more money. Right. It's that. And that's, but that's because we both value that. Mm-hmm. Now 
Um, what I did four years ago, back 2019, 2018, mm -hmm. I had strict non-negotiables. Mm. Um, and, and I learned this from Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect, mm. which highly, highly recommend. Honestly, one of the best personal growth books of all time. It's 120 pages. It'll take you a day and a half, maybe three days to read at most. Mm. You can listen to it on Audible. I think it's like a six, seven hour book. Um, but it is one of the best personal growth books of all time. And he wrote out there's a there's a, a chapter in the book where he talks about his wife i forgot what her name is she's she's portuguese or brazilian or something and that he made a list of what he wants from his partner and actually brian tracy did this as well mm -hmm. brian tracy who is one of the goats of personal did this also you know you write down your exact perfect match in a partner what do they look like what do they do for work what are their character traits Right, because the first two are very like surface level, yeah. but like, what are their what are their character traits? Yeah. You know, what do they value? Um, wh what do they do with their time and things like that? Write it down, make a list. Um, but to give you practical uh, advice that you can apply to your life today, don't waste time with people who have the your, your deal breakers. Mm -hmm. Like my deal breaker, I have to date someone that works out. It does not ma it does not matter how they look how much money they have, their character traits. If they don't care about their fitness, mm -hmm. then that's just, it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing against them. That's just not for me, right? right? I want to be with someone who likes to travel, yeah. who wants to get out of their comfort zone and like seek thrills, right? If you don't do that, I don't want to be in a shell. I don't want to be stuck at home. I don't want to be living in my comfort zone. So I guess three pieces of advice. Number one, make a list of your ideal partner. Number two, don't waste your time on people that have your deal breakers. And number three, which is kind of a little hypocritical, I guess, but I want you to be a little bit compassionate towards people that might not have the same values that you, but they're on their own journey and they'll find it on their own time. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough balance. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Emily? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think it is important to have an idea of your ideal partner. I've learned, so I'm 26, but I've learned, I guess, over the years in having two relationships, one of four years that it definitely shifts along the way, especially in your twenties, which a lot of my listeners are as you're developing yourself and learning what works and what doesn't. So I think it's important to still have a concrete idea because I think that's often the type of person you'll attract or you'll kind of have more opportunities to link up with more but I think also being flexible and adaptable when someone comes in to the picture and they fit like majority of things but a little different some things are different maybe it's like they have darker hair and you thought you'd be more attracted you know what I'm saying so I think some people and I've mm -hmm. heard in in girlfriend circles where they're like oh but he's not this height or something and I'm like Jesus Christ you know it's like relax right and so I think it's it's things like that I believe like people need to be adaptable about but also recognizing that um you know that saying people say like don't bet on their potential and I think it's important to be mindful of that statement in that yeah I think don't don't bet on someone's potential without actual like seeing 
execution, I guess, right? Because I'm a former competitive figure skater and tennis player. And so for me, I think my coaches and my parents had to bet on my potential to some degree, but they also saw the repetition every day. They saw the habits I was doing every day. So they're mm-hmm. betting on that. So I think that's, that's where the caveat is for me is, okay, don't bet on someone's potential with being blind, but also if they are doing small steps, moving the needle forward for themselves in a certain direction, I think it's fair to bet on that with that kind of level of consistency. So I think, again, that's like a self-awareness thing too, right? Like, are you good judgment of that? And like, do you, can you see that within yourself? So I think that's kind of my, my take on it, but yeah, I think dating and like choosing an aligned partner, it's such a whole nother ball game. It is. And and the last thing I want to say about that is as long as you put yourself first and put your own growth first, Mm -hmm. put your own health first, put your own money first, that's all that really matters. And if you have that foundation and you're focused on yourself and you're putting yourself first, I think everything will work out the way it, ha- way, way it should. 100%. Something that you said in the beginning, but also I did see on your Instagram was around instead of thinking from the mind, it's more about like being and like just being. And I saw, I think it was around like, um, you know, like thinking or acting more from the heart. Right. And that's something I've definitely adapted over the past two years is just being in a state of love, being a loving human being. And I think this definitely parlays over into relationships, all kinds, where it's like the balance between logic and instinct. And I'm curious to get your take on this, because a lot of people have heard, especially in the business world, I mean, I have a lot of entrepreneur friends, but sometimes they dive too much into a pros and cons list, for example. And, you know, funny enough, I was talking to a friend earlier who called me and wanted to get my advice on whether he should pursue a certain girl or not. And he's a total thinker, classic entrepreneur and had a pros and cons list um, because it was a little bit of a sticky situation. And quite frankly, I told him, dude, you know, you're you're thinking about so many things that you haven't like you haven't even entered level one yet. And you're thinking about things that are like literally level seven. And so I think you should just go for it. And instead of like thinking too much into it, do it and then right. the outcome. But uh, I feel like you probably have a take on this because considering your post and yeah. Absolutely. So we only think because we don't have all the facts, mm-hmm. right? So once you make your pros and cons list <laughs> and you've thought about it for a day or two days, you have all the facts, my man. I'm talking to your friend directly yeah, yeah. right now. You have all the facts, dude. You have all the pros. You have all the cons. It's time to make a decision. Mm -hmm. It's time to go with your gut. I know we use that that phrase all the time, Mm -hmm. but you have all the information you need. Leaders know how to make decisions, Mm -hmm. right? And what's the worst thing that happens? Yes. You know, it's like if if we go back pre-COVID, there were so many real estate deals I was looking at Mm -hmm. and I'm crunching the numbers and I'm doing my own underwriting and I'm looking at the interest rate. I'm like Mm -hmm. looking back and I know hindsight's 2020, but I should have just bought every single deal. You know, I had all the facts. There was a return. I should have bought that duplex. I should have bought that condo. I should have invested more money when the, the March 2020 COVID sell-off happened in the stock market. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, in, in a situation with the real estate deals, I had all the facts. Mm-hmm. It's time to go with my gut. And leaders know how to make decisions. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we hear the saying also, also paralysis by analysis. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we overthink things and we don't take action. So to your friend, if he's listening, I'm sure he listens to your podcast mm-hmm. episodes. 
you have all the facts. It's time to make a decision. How do you make a decision? You go with your gut, you go with your instinct, you follow your intuition. And, and look, if you made the wrong, wrong decision, it is what it is. Yeah. 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 Would you say in, in a lot, especially in your personal life, in most times you make your decisions based on like that intuition, the gut feeling? I, I started to more and more. Yeah. Even, even since, you know, my net worth has, you know, not to make it all about money, but I, right, you know, right. we're, we're all trying to make money. We're all trying to mm -hmm. be successful entre entrepreneurs. And like over the last 18 months, two years, more so than ever, I've been going with my gut. Mm. More so than ever, I've been going with my gut. It's just something that I, I don't think I have anything too, too deep here, but I think it's just, you know, over time we learn from our mistakes mm -hmm. and we, we can't, we can't measure cost opportunity cost on every single thing that happens in our life, or we would have a massive migraine for the next 50 years. Mm -hmm. So just make a decision and make that decision based on how you feel, mm -hmm. not necessarily what's on the pros and cons list. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's interesting because I used to be a big thinker, especially over the years. And, and in the recent two years, I have shifted more into allowing myself to tap into that logical side of my brain and, and realize like, okay, it's natural for me to like analyze something, but it's also important to, to like observe that feeling, right? Like whatever that gut feeling is, or that intuitive feeling, there's something that's there that will draw you towards one way or another. And I've always kind of like leaned on that for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to tap into your morning routine because I know you mentioned you eventually started to, you know, wake up at 5 a.m., you know, work out in the morning, things like that. And of course, I think it's pretty obvious that not everyone can, I think even more from like a, the way people's like internal clock is, right? Like sometimes people just operate better you know, starting later, whatever. But still, even with that, for me, I mean, I wake up at 6am, I love to work out in the morning. But I also think that even if some people just can't adapt to that, that there are other things they can do to implement a similar, hardcore self discipline regimen or structure. And I'm curious to know, like, what are some simple tips you have that someone can implement? Maybe it's not like a 5am thing, because maybe right now they wake up at eight, and that's too far of a stretch, but smaller things that they can do that would still incorporate some similar tendencies. Yeah. So I, uh, another frame of mind or saying or natural law in the universe is law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. More work does not always mean more money. Mm -hmm. At some point, one extra hour of work is not going to bring in enough return for you to give your time, energy, and attention to that one hour of work. So Hormozy, and I, you know, I, I was introduced to Hormozy like two and a half years ago. I started liking him. I started following him. But some, some, for some reason recently, in the last like four months, I, mm -hmm. I, I, this guy, he's a genius. And he does not wake up early. And this guy is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? right. And he said, hey, there's no point in waking up early if you're not going to be productive. Right. So if you're going to sleep until 9 a.m. and you're going to grind and do four hours of deep work from 9 to 1 p.m., that's way more beneficial than waking up at 5 a.m., scrolling through Instagram and meditating and screaming affirmations in the mirror for an hour. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so it, it really it really just depends. But as far as my more, my morning routine goes for two years in a row from 2016 to 2018, I woke up at 430 a.m. every single day mm. and I got so much benefit from that and I made so much traction. And I created so many opportunities from just having extra time in the day. 
-hmm. I am not as loyal to my 5 a.m. morning anymore. However, mm -hmm. I do have some morning routine habits that I'm gonna share with you right now. The first thing I like to do is drink a ton of water as soon as I wake up because physical health is really important to me. So yeah. I'm training for my fourth Ironman. And for all those people out there that don't know what an Ironman is, it's a 140 mile triathlon. Mm -hmm. It's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride. And then you run a 26.2 mile marathon all in one day without any breaks. So mm. it takes anywhere from 14 to 16 hours. And this is you know, known as one of the hardest races in the world. Oh. So physical health is really important for me. Energy levels are really important to me. I like feeling light on my feet. I like having high energy levels. I enjoy having mental clarity and like being articulate with my words. I mean, there are times where I'm interviewed on podcasts and I'm using a lot of filler words and mm. my thoughts aren't clear. I'm like, all right, what did I do yesterday mm. <laughs> that I don't have this mental clarity right now, the sharpness in my mind. So I drink a ton of water. Yeah. I put a little bit of organic lemon juice in there and I drink a ton of water. So it alkalizes, it turns our body more alkaline and it helps with my fast. I typically fast five, six days a week for at least 16 to 17 hours. Um, so I drink a lot of water. And then I meditate every single morning for 20 minutes in the morning. It's called TM, Transcendental Meditation. Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld, Oprah Winfrey, Ray Dalio, Elon Musk, all these guys are doing TM. I've been doing it since 2019. I'm actually really involved in the organization. I go on retreats every single year. Mm -hmm. So I meditate every single day. I drink a ton of water every single day. And then I get a lot of fresh air. So mm -hmm. I always go outside, breathe some fresh air, feel the uh, incredible humidity in South Florida and Jupiter. Um, mm -hmm. And then usually like four days a week, I'll go to the beach and watch the sunrise. So not a lot of productivity type stuff, not yeah. a lot of high performance habit type stuff. Yeah. Um, but as soon as the clock hits like 7.30, 8am, you know, I'm grinding until 9pm. Mm. So, um, you know, and also our habits are not set in stone. Mm -hmm. You can have certain habits for the next three weeks and then change it, pivot it, mm -hmm. turn the dial this way, turn that dial that way and see what works better for you. And then we have seasons in our lives, right? Sometimes we go through 18 months of extreme, hard, laser-focused work, and then we right. take our foot off the gas and we kind of operate in flow. Right now I'm operating in flow. Yeah. I'm not trying to get any leads. I'm letting the leads come in as they come. And I just believe that the perfect client will be right in front of me at the right time. Yeah. So um, habits can change. What are some of your habits, Emily? For me, it's definitely just keeping a consistent morning routine. Um, and and it's it's pretty simple. It's like, okay, consistent between somewhere between like 6, 6.30 a.m., nothing crazy. But I do prioritize sleep in the sense of if I feel like my body's physically exhausted, I will allow myself to sleep in, maybe skip the morning workout, whatever. Um, but also it's usually like a morning workout, whether it's like hitting the ice. So like I said earlier, a former figure skater, tennis player, or uh, hitting the courts for a couple hours, whatever. I like to do that because for me, once I'm like physically, like kind of uh, not exhausted, but like kind of drawn out in a way, I'm like, okay, now I can actually, I have a lot of mental clarity. And then I typically get my creative flow in from like 11 to 7 p.m. And uh, that's like my typical habits, but always for sure, the physical activity is a must for me because I had the most mental sharpness and focus when I was a former athlete. And so for me, kind of being out of that chapter, I have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I always find ways to replicate that energy. Like the way I was focused in the figure skating world, training and competing. And, you know, sometimes you kind of have to create that environment for yourself and find ways to kind of mimic that. So that's kind yeah. of my approach. I like it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I'm fascinated though about Ironman. What is, okay, name like the top three 
like hardest mental obstacles you have to overcome with doing that. I mean, I've always, I, I, that's a far stretch to, for me to ever do Ironman. I mean, hundred percent, but I have girlfriends that have done triathlons for sure. They've done a marathon. Um, so, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think it's so much discipline. I also do think it's a lot of mental toughness when it comes down to it. And I'm all about it because like I said, it's just like an athlete thing, but I'm so fascinated to hear what was that for you? Cause you're going to do your, you're training for your fourth one. Is that what you just said? Training. Yeah. Training for my fourth Ironman. Okay. Uh, I've completed two. I failed one of them. My last okay. one was yeah. Last October in Barcelona um, and my bike broke mile 10 and I was stuck in one gear for 110 miles, 102 miles. Um, and in Barcelona, it's a relatively flat course. It's on yeah. like the coast of the Mediterranean sea. We swam okay. two point five miles. It was the most beautiful day. One of the most beautiful days of my life, but, yeah. um, long story short, I came in four, four and a half, five minutes too slow on the bike. And I got disqualified. Uh, and it, I was crying, crying my eyes out. It was an awful, awful day. But, um, to answer your question of the three, like biggest mental challenges when it comes yeah. to preparing for an Ironman race and race day. Yeah. Number one, you train for eight to nine months before this race. Oh, wow. So for example, today yeah. I have to go swim for an hour. Tomorrow, I have to be on my bike for two hours. Wednesday, right. I'm going on a six-mile run. Yesterday, I was on a 10-mile run. So you got to build a lot yeah. of consistency and yeah. discipline yeah. when it comes to this stuff. So I think the biggest mental hurdle is hitting your, your training sessions, Yeah. right? And it's not as much physical as it is mental because there are times when I don't want to do it. 100%. There are times when I'm like, oh my God, I can either do this or do my training. I got to do my training. Now, do I always make the right decision? No, but most of the time I make the right decision. Right. Right. So, so that number two, uh, there's a lot of logistics involved. You know, yeah. the next one's in Mexico. So right. I got to fly to Mexico. I got to make sure my bike is ready to go. I got to do, do all the travel planning. I got to make sure I bring all my goo gels and my liquid carbohydrates and my yeah. supplement. So it's like, you know, you have to be organized. You have to have this stuff written down. <laughs> and I keep a pen, pen and paper with me everywhere. And yeah. if, if the people that are watching on YouTube, I got two cork boards back there that have that have a lot of stuff on it that are just important that I need to be visual. Yeah. So it's a lot of organization, which is tough. And then obviously during the race, I mean, 16 hours, 17 hours of exercise without stopping is is not easy. And uh, there are plenty of times where you think about quitting. There are plenty of times where you're like, can I do this? Yeah. Um, and then you just got to fight through that. But for me, everyone's different. What works best for Emily might not work best for Zach and vice versa. Yeah. What works really well for me is getting to the starting line with confidence. Mm -hmm. I, nothing's more important than getting to the starting line, feeling healthy mm -hmm. with no injuries mm -hmm. and being confident. And the only way I'll be confident. There's one way that I'll be confident is if I'm prepared. Yeah. Now, how am I prepared? I hit all my training sessions. Yeah. You know, as an athlete, yeah. right? It's like, it's, it's the biggest gains and the championships and the yeah. gold medals are won in practice. Yep. Yep. They're not one in the main event. Mm -hmm. It's the hours that you put in each and every single day for the last six to nine months. That's the reason why I ran a sub 14 hour Ironman last uh, two years ago in Mexico. So mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to. Why do you choose to do Ironman? Like what, what's your motivator? So my motivator in the beginning, March, uh, it was like eight, August, 2020 COVID gym shut down in Florida, Florida. I don't know where, where are you located by the way? I'm, I'm in New curious. York city. 
Okay, New York City. Yeah. So Florida was a lot different than New York. We yeah. were like relatively open during COVID, yeah. but it was like around summertime when the gym shut down. I love going to the gym. I didn't have a gym. Me, all, me and all my friends have started, we're just going to start running. And yeah. we all had the Nike app and we're like, oh, I ran four miles faster than you. Oh, I ran five miles faster than you, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I was like, all right. I had a client at the time who wanted to run a sub eight minute mile. I'm a life coach. I help people on their personal growth journey. One of his goals was to run a sub eight minute per minute mile. We ran it together over the phone. I ran like a six minute mile. I said, hey, what's the craziest race I can do? I discovered Ironman on the internet after mm -hmm. watching five minutes of a YouTube video of what this race is like, what it takes to become an Ironman and you know the prestige in this competition. Yeah. I paid the 800 bucks to sign up. I hired a coach. I bought a bike and I started training. Uh, since then, it's now been three years and this is the baseline. This is the bare minimum of my fitness level. Yeah. I have high standards for myself. Yeah. I only eat the highest quality food yeah. And I try to stay in the nicest hotels and Airbnbs when I travel. I also want to have a six pack for the rest of my life. I don't want any of my friends. I don't any, I don't want anyone that's 32 years old to look better than me without my shirt on. Okay. That is that. Well, it, it, that's I'm, so I'm funny. not even trying to be facetious. Or, no, it's just I like, love that. that is, that's my, that's my, that's my standard for myself is I want to be in the best shape out of anyone I know. Yeah. So the only way to do that is to run a sub 14 hour Ironman every single year. So you can't argue with me. <laughs> hey, look, maybe you got a bigger bicep than me, but Hey, you see this metal behind me. You can't do that. I'm in a more elite shape than you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you know, I get a lot of my girlfriend, she kind of, <laughs> what, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, to me, and I hope this doesn't come off like narcissistic or yeah, pretentious. Yeah, yeah. This is just, you know, some people, they respond better when people call them a, a wimp. Right. I, I use the P word, but like, you know, hey, you're a wimp. You're soft, <laughs> right? If someone calls me soft, it's motivating. Okay. Right. Other people, they don't respond well to that. Right, for right. For me, Ironman races yeah. are for wimps. Yes. Like this race, this is just my mindset, yes. my perspective. Yeah. This race is for wimps. Yeah. This race is for wimps. This is the 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 bare bare minimum of what I'm gonna do when it comes to my physical fitness. Yeah. So Ironman is just the it's the base layer of my physical fitness. Now I do 100 pushups every single day. I lift six days a week. Yeah. You know I I like to do I like to play tennis all the time. Yeah. I'm fairly active in other sports and things like that. So. That's kind of like why I do it. It's just this is the bare minimum for me. I have a high standard for myself, and that's what keeps me in shape. And like, it's don't get me wrong, it's hard. It's yeah. definitely hard. You know, it it's definitely it takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of work and a lot yeah. of dedication, and a lot of sacrifice. But it's like just out of reach mm -hmm. where it's super motivating. And yeah. because I've already done it a few times, it's just like it's the perfect goal for me every single year. Yeah. And I agree with you that some people can take that almost like a little narcissistic, but I have to say, like, I, I agree with you. And again, it, it may be because both of us, I mean, you know, I, I would argue that both of us have a very kind of athlete oriented mindset where a lot of the things that people, maybe if they didn't have some sort of similar training at a young age, like, again, I was exposed, you know, a lot of my, my coaches were from Russia from a young age in, in skating. So like, to me, the level of discipline I had at the age of six, seven, eight, like is now like anything, I think it's very nothing, right? But I'm again, very mindful that a lot of people who weren't exposed to that might have a different, uh, you know, feedback loop 
and even that, like, you know, I, I'll play, play tennis with people. And, and sometimes I'm like really hard on myself and they're trying to be softer about it. And I'm like, look, I, I appreciate it, but I really don't need the words of affirmation on the court. Like I don't, because I'm just not driven by that. And some people who are made to compete, they, they, they don't, words of affirmation don't do well for them either. And that's like a pattern I see. And so I think that's why I say this out loud to the podcast listeners, because, you know, this kind of mindset is not for everyone. And it's not, I don't think it's unhealthy either. Like people who have not ever been in a competitive level in any sport often criticize like coaches for speaking a certain way to students and athletes and vice versa but the thing is I've experienced it and I think it's 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 something that you have to a like love yourself like you have to understand how it impacts you in a positive way but also understand like that's how you move the needle forward and and it's good to set a high standard for yourself you know what I mean like it's your life so you should be able to set that high standard and and don't like apologize for it, right? And it's not it's okay if someone listening doesn't have that standard. I doubt anyone listening right now thinks the Iron Man is going to be the bare minimum. That's what I'm saying. I think it's awesome because I think it's okay if they were to be like, all right, marathon is the bare minimum or one mile is the bare minimum, right? Like I think right. it's important what we're saying here is you set that bar for yourself. You have you happen to set the Iron Man, but whatever other people want, set that higher than like what you typically would and shoot for that because that's how you improve that's how you get stronger mentally and physically absolutely yeah Yeah. and sometimes it's like a it's bad on my mental health and I'm sure on yours too because you know we can't always be perfect and we can't always show up and bring our a game yeah and when that happens people like ourselves and I can only speak for myself but I think you would agree when we don't bring our a game it's it's easy to get down on ourselves. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's not all roses and butterflies. There is definitely, even though we know that that's how we respond well, it doesn't always work because we can't always bring our A game. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just, it's just all practice. Um, But you know, I think it's something I've learned a lot from listening and reading Tony Robbins and Ray Dalio and a lot of these great people. But I think Final questions, one of them being book recommendations, because I, I definitely named uh, two of some of my favorite guys. But do you have any relating to business or mindset or maybe mm. different genres, like one of each, whatever you have, anything that comes yeah. top of mind that you're like, these are the ones. And I know you mentioned one earlier. We'll definitely share that in um, our Instagram as well. For sure. So the first thing I'm going to say, uh, shamelessly, is my book, Live Better Now, a guaranteed way for millennials and Gen Z to live better now, right here, right now with what they got from where they're at through the three pillars of life, health, wealth, and happiness. You can get on Amazon. It's called Live Better Now. But that, you know, I'm looking at, as I'm looking over here, I'm looking at my bookshelf and I have two books on the top of my bookshelf and they're Principles by Ray Dalio mm-hmm. and they're Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, I don't think those are the two I would recommend the most. I think the ones I would recommend the most though, Essentialism, by Greg McCown. Okay. Oh my gosh. Mind blowing. Essentialism by Greg McCown. And then, gosh, what else? I mean, there's so many. And listen, I don't recommend books unless they are freaking amazing. Uh But, you know, I I really, really think essentialism is great. And then, I mean, the compound effect is so great too. So those those are the two I'm going to put on the record is the compound effect for personal growth yeah. and understanding and being aware of the fact that you just got to get 1% better every single day yep. because your results are not linear. They compound exponentially. Eventually you're going to go parabolic. Eventually, Emily, the podcast is going to go 
exponential and parabolic, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the products and resources and information, wisdom, and your experiences that you're putting out to the world, yeah. eventually they're going to just start, the results are going to multiply and multiply, yeah. right? It's not, it's, it's three people tell three people tell three people. That's yeah. not 12 people. That's 27 people. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and I believe and I'm saying this to you because I believe it for me as well. You know, yeah. I'm pumping out three podcasts a week right now because I yeah. believe that over time, it's just going to yield incredible results. And then, um, yeah, essentialism. It's like, it's either essential or non-essential. Mm. It's not, oh, let's try to do that. For example, oh, hey, Emily, you want to come on the boat this weekend? We're going Saturday 11. It's going to be so fun. And you go, oh, should I go on the boat? Should I, that's something I want to do? I don't know. I don't know. Look, it's either, yes, it's yeah. either heck yes, yes. or heck no. Yes. It's either essential or non-essential. There's yeah. nothing in between. I agree so yeah. those are the two books, essentialism True. and compound effect. I love that. Those will definitely be shared in the show notes and of course on our Instagram stories. Um, but last question, and it's something I ask every guest on the show, but in reflection of everything, everything you've experienced in your 20s and over the past few years, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? You know, since 2021, I started traveling a lot. Mm -hmm. I started, I went to Dubai and Bali and Colombia, Spain, mm -hmm. uh, France, Switzerland, Italy, Hawaii twice. Travel is what fulfills me. It's like, I always got to have a trip on the calendar. Mm -hmm. That's what fulfills me is travel. But also, I'm not going to lie. I'm very money driven. Mm -hmm. Money fulfills me too. I love mm -hmm. seeing the stock market right now you know, breaching all time highs. Mm -hmm. It's cool that, Hey, I was buying Amazon at $80 a share. And now it's $140 mm -hmm. a share that, you know, maybe that's superficial. I'll say it. Hey, that is superficial, but I like seeing my account. And the Nasdaq's up 34% this year, year to date. And that kind of fulfills me. And maybe, <laughs> maybe it's, super, maybe it is superficial, but those yeah. are the things that, that bring me joy. And, uh, you know, it's not to, to have a great return to hoard the money. Yeah. No, I want to, I want a good return because I want to spend that shit. Yeah. I want to spend <laughs> that shit. That's why. Right. Cause yeah. it, I, look, I want to stay, I want to stay at the fanciest resorts when I go to Costa Rica. For sure. I, I want to fly first class when I, and I don't fly first class now cause I can't afford it right now, Yeah. but I want to fly first class everywhere I go. Yeah. And when I, when I go to dinner, I don't want to look at the prices. I still look For at the sure. prices. <laughs> I'm not trying to spend 180 bucks on a meal. Yeah. You know, even if I had a five figure month, I don't want to spend 180 bucks on dinner. Totally. So I'm still looking at the prices. Yeah. So I am very money driven and, and seeing a good return and, you know, making 5,000 in a week is definitely very fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, that's super awesome, Zach. And I appreciate your honesty. I feel like you are super candid about your, like the way you think about things, even if people can, you know, maybe have a judgment on it, but you're like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, money fulfills me, but and, and maybe, yeah, it is a little superficial, but like it does. And I like that because I think honestly, I, I, I'm driven by just being honest and true to who I am. And I love when people bring that energy to my show. So I really appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners did as well. Thank you, Emily. Awesome. Well, where can everyone find you share your Instagram, all your social media handles, and I'll make sure those are linked as well. Absolutely. I'll make it real easy for everyone. Go to lifecoachzack.com lifecoachzack, Zach is spelled Z-A-C-H.com. All my socials are there. All my products, my free three-month personal growth program is there. Um, the podcast is there, everything like that. 
And uh, Emily, this was an amazing conversation. I had a great time today. And thank you so much for having me on these, on the podcast. And that was all for today's episode with Zach Rance. I really hope you enjoyed this. And as always, if you found something valuable, please be sure to share this with a friend, post this on your Instagram story. And if you do, it would be in the world if you tag the podcast Instagram at whatfulfillsyou and or my personal Instagram at Emily E. Duong so I can see who's tuning in. Thanks again for your support. I will chat with you all in the next episode.